Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. Hi, it's the Let's Go Eat show, and we're back to our roots, baby. The Let's Go Eat show, we're actually eating on this episode, and you know what? We're talking about food as well. Uh, some of you may know Steven Rosenberg. He is the owner of Liberty Heights Fresh. He's been around for a, quite a long time in this town, and he's been selling great food before people even knew about great food in this town. Uh, and Steve and I sat down at HSL, a really nice restaurant here in Salt Lake, for lunch and conversation about food. And uh, Steve read, Stephen, excuse me, Stephen read poetry, and we eat and talk, and it's what the Let's Go Eat show should be. So without uh, further ado, oh, I do have further ado. I want you to go to patreon.com. Remember to do that. That's a way you can support the Let's Go Eat show. And my son, Dylan, who makes no money. So do that. All right? All right, here we go. Steve Rosenberg, the Let's Go Eat show. I just I just had tap water. I hope that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll order a cider. We'll order some food. And and uh, as I say to everybody, when we do the Let's Go Eat show with food, don't be afraid to just eat and talk. Because you would do that if we were just having lunch. You'd eat and talk and eat and talk and eat, eat talk. and talk. But then for some reason when the microphone's on, people don't, they'll, they'll just stop eating. No, I, I, I'm, to me, uh, one of the most sensual experiences... I can have living on this planet is with food, whether it's in an orchard or a vineyard or a kitchen or a why, garden. Why are you not grossly fat? Steve Rosenberg, uh, owner, S- proprietor. Stephen with an N. St- yeah, say it again. Stephen with an N. You prefer Stephen, not I do, Steve. I do only because uh, when I was attending university, there were two other Steves in my dorm. Ah. You want some of this coffee, by the way? You know, I am you, so juiced up. I made a big pot this morning, so uh, I don't know what. What, what do you want? A cider? Yeah, I'll, I'll do one of those. Eleven um, thirty uh, in Utah. Oh, it's eleven yeah, thirty. Yeah, okay, well, I'll wait till eleven thirty for Cliff knows what I drink. Good. We're good. One of those too. One of whatever Cliff knows that he drinks, I'd like one as well. Uh, At eleven thirty. Stephen Rosenberg, uh, the proprietor, the owner of Liberty Heights Fresh. And uh, we uh, were at Handle Salt Lake, HSL, they call it, Handle Salt Lake. Yes. Uh, which is on 2nd South, uh, just uh, just right up above 3rd East. 3rd East? 4th East. 4th East. Between 4th and 5th. Yeah. Just a couple doors away from uh, the Phillips Gallery. We were talking about how I remember 
I think the first thing I remember ever being here was this that wing. There was a wing restaurant, which was really pretty good. It well, was, it was a, a couple of brothers from Alabama, and I don't know if you know the story. but I don't. Basically, they did a trip to Lake Powell, and they were pulling the boat, and they got pulled over, and they had some cannabis. and Marijuana? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know Je- Jeff Sessions' obsession. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for all the wrong reasons, but uh, they ended up, you know, plea- pleading down, and mm-hmm. they went home to Alabama. They said they had enough. That's of why they. That's why that place closed down. Huh? Yeah, that's yeah. too bad because I. It was, you know, for what it was. I mean, it was wings, but it was really good. They had it going on, yeah. and they were nice guys. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's kind of sad the way they got run out of town. Stephen Stephen Rosenberg, uh, the uh, so how did a. Uh, uh, a farm boy, an or- orchard farm boy. I mean, you grew up on a farm in Michigan, I think. Southwest Michigan, yes. Uh, a Jewish farm boy uh, from Michigan end up in Salt Lake. Why did that ever happen? You know, uh, I finished school and... and uh, College? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and ended up going to work for a large food distribution company. What did you... What You were in some sort of... Food science, or what? Did I you? studied agricultural economics and food marketing. Really, at uh, Michigan? At Michigan State University. Oh, uh, we won't go into talking about that too much. No, um, uh, it's not a happy day for people who are alum. Yeah, I'm wearing my hat inside out these days. Yeah. I'm I'm in total protest. I think they need to change everybody at the top, but yeah. not just that university. But that's a whole other topic of discussion. Well, we can talk about it if you want. Sure. But, uh, but, but let's talk about food. Anyway, so you got your uh, food science and... Food systems, economics, systems. and management. Yeah. And I uh, went to work for a company based in the Midwest, and they bought a company in Salt Lake City, and mm. they sent me here. And, and uh, You came by yourself? I did. I was. It was 1984. I was... 24 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I like to say that that company was where I learned how not to do business. Yeah, um, you didn't you didn't care for practices. We won't mention the company; it doesn't matter. Well, they're gone. They they're out of business. They were out of business, and they were a they, multi-billion-dollar company. Distribution. They they di- distributed food to, to supermarkets. To supermarkets. To independent supermarkets. So you know. So they, they were like a middleman, a broker. No, a broker never touches product. They were a distributor, so they had a big warehouse in Salt Lake City. Gotcha. They had warehouses all over the country, um, and they were very poorly managed. You know, I learned, I I believe you learn more from seeing how not to do it than how to do it. So what did you do as a a working for a distribution company? Was it your job to go around to the stores? I was an account guy. I would just, you know, you, you try and keep the relationship happy and what how much was it all was it several different kinds of product or oh it was uh for me i was working primarily with fresh fruits and vegetables but i ended up being sort of the ombudsman for the company to all these independent iga stores in idaho iga western wyoming eastern nevada utah um i think we had the Barlows in Colorado City had a store. Uh, so you were on the. Uh, oh, you mean the you mean the polygamous Barlows? Yes, yeah, yes. They were, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you were uh, uh, on the road a lot. I was, and I uh, did you did you like that? You know, I loved Boise. I had a girlfriend in Boise. It's so, a nice place. So I would always schedule that work to you know leave Salt Lake on Thursday, work all day Thursday and Friday, spend the weekend with Irene, and come back home on 
Monday afternoon. What's Irene doing these days, I Stephen? Have no idea. Wouldn't you like to find out sometime? I would actually. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Irene and Boise. I wonder. That's yeah. it's kind of a romantic sound. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So so you're doing uh, you're doing that, and you uh, I guess you start liking Utah. You know, uh, I I worked with that company, the Fleming Foods Company, for three years, and then I took a job in marketing with a biotech and research park, and right about the time we were making an IPO. The 87 crash happened and, you know, I, I was looking for a job and, uh, you know, I got furloughed at the end of the year. I ended up volunteering to help at Sundance. Um, an old friend, Tim Nelson. I know that name. Who sadly passed away five years ago or thereabouts, um, intrigued me about making motion picture. Hmm. And uh, I ended up... Uh, you know, volunteering at Sundance, uh, ended up taking a job in Miami working for a South American family in the fresh cut flour importing business. I did that for a couple of years. Miami culturally was a splendid place, but climactically very, very unpleasant yeah. between the, the months of May and September. Too humid and awful and yeah. unbearable. Yeah. Um, so I decided to go and study film and I, uh, came back here for the summer and, and uh, hung out and then went to a one-year film production program in Vancouver, B.C. and uh, returned. Well, that summer I met my ex-wife, the mother of my children, mm -hmm. and uh, moved back to Salt Lake when I finished and worked in that business for a couple of years. And, you know, people kept saying, well, you need to move to L.A. You need to move to L.A. And I yeah. knew I knew a long time ago that was one city I never wanted to inhabit. So you just did film work here, local, uh, yeah. when, when film crews would come? Yeah, feature films, mm -hmm. you know, uh, television films, uh, um, you know, uh, the occasional automobile advertisement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, one day I drove past the building that I now own and occupy, and it had a for rent sign in the window, and I called. And it's an old gas station. Yeah, I like to say that, you know, I'm responsible for converting a 20th century gas station into a 21st century gastronomic station. Oh, that's very clever, Stephen. Uh, let, let's go. Uh, let's uh, and so that the, what year was that that you rented that and started Liberty Heights? 1993. All so right. we're in our 25th year. We'll, we will celebrate 25 years this August. That's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, for especially as competition has grown and all that, for any business to set, you know, uh, owned and operated by one person essentially. It's uh, hard to believe it's been 25 years doesn't feel really? like it and then sometimes it feels like it but uh, yeah you know I'm I'm good to go for another 25 that's good and a lot of people will be really happy to hear that you know I, I had my doubts in the last few years but well, no, I, man. I remember talking to you a year or two ago and you were kind of I don't know things yeah. are yeah well it's it's good to hear that maybe you're uh, and we can order any time by the way if you do you have any idea what you want we're uh, here at handle and our uh, waiters uh, well, the chicories and broccolini are like a staple for me, yeah. um, but there's also uh, chicories and broccolini. Oh man, it's just a great salad. I mean, that's great lunch for me. Uh, maybe I'll try that because last time I was here, I had the grain bowl, and I really liked that. Yeah. And I was thinking of having that again. Although, if you are not used to eating a lot of that kind of thing, 
I think the grain bowl bothered me for a day or two. Yeah? Yeah. It's probably a good kind of bother. Yeah, I mean, it ultimately is good for you. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I, eat, I don't eat a lot of dairy, and I don't eat a lot of wheat, and therefore, uh, you know, creme fraiche or uh, whipped ricotta, things mm-hmm. like that are sadly off my radar. You're not, a, you're not a vegetarian, though. I am an omnivore. You are good, and only. But I, but I, I have to say that I am an omnivore. But I am a picky fucking omnivore because I will not eat animals that were fed anything containing genetically modified organisms. And now, what? I, you know, I used to be violently against that, but I think for the wrong reasons. Uh, now I, I realize. I think, and then you correct me if I'm wrong, because you know way more about it than I do, but. Eating genetically modified, and we're talking about grains and all of that kind of stuff. Mostly, it's it's so it's 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 because they're driving out people out of business. No, the people who own those. No, you think it's bad on a different level. On it's unhealthy playing God. Essentially, it's it's unhealthy. Uh, There's a great researcher at MIT who's connected the dots between glyphosate, which is another name for Monsanto's Roundup, right, and children with autism. And the dots are pretty scientifically well uh, connected. And um, I think that, you know, when you uh, mess with nature, you mess with honeybees, you mess with the future of our sustainability as a species. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I, I, I just will choose not to support the industrial food system. How is it, I guess it's different, genetically modifying something is different than uh, uh, crossbreeding and uh, you know the Luther Burbank some, method of doing so, things. Some people try to say they're the same thing. The difference between Luther Burbank and modern genetic modification is Mr. Burbank would take a plum variety and a nectarine variety and create a new you know fruit. Yeah, variety. I think we're ready to order, Aaron. Yeah, we're gonna uh, order a little food. I'm gonna try that broccolini. And uh, uh, the chicories and broccolini. Very well. All right. That's a. That, I, I really like the grain uh, grain bowl, Dylan. If you. Okay. Well, I'm gonna not do a grain bowl. I'm I gonna have a ham so. burger, okay. uh, with no cheese, please. No cheese. And, How would you like that, Mr. Um, mm. Medium well. Okay. And French fries. Kind of- I have an aversion to American cheese. We actually make that in house. So no, he doesn't. I have, an, I have an aversion to cheese. All cheese. Oh, okay. He won't eat cheese. And fries or salad with that? Fries. Okay. I'll do the grilled branzino salad. All right. Grilled branzino. I love that fish. I had never had a branzino until I went over it's, to it's Current. Just, it's just another fancy name for sea bass. That's is that caught, what it is? That's from the Eastern Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. I like the way they do it at Current where they... They'll serve. They serve it with the head on it. You know, that's the whole yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that as well out at uh, uh, Provisions. I haven't been there yet. Oh, good place. Uh, so uh, let's get. I want to get back to. Uh, we sort of got the thumbnail sketch of how you ended up in Salt Lake, but let's go back to before all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're growing up in Michigan, really on a farm. Sotus, Michigan, 425 acres of fruit, vegetables, and uh, grapes. Owned by your family? Yes, my father. And my uncle were farmers. Yeah, and they were technically the third generation um, on some of the land. Second generation on some of the land. Now, 425 acres is not a big operation 
Oh, it's really uh, for for tree fruit and berries, that and big? it's that's yeah the, yeah the the typical size of an orchard in uh, Washington State is probably less than fifty acres. Now that may have changed. I'm thinking of probably old data. What's really sadly occurring right now that we're not paying close enough attention to is that the average age of a farmer in this country uh, is over sixty years old. Yeah. And nobody wants to do it anymore. And I'm not sure that I would call a farmer who grows corn and soybeans um, a farmer. I would call them an agribusinessman. Yeah. So, so did your your family made an okay livings? Yeah, I mean, uh, five, six kids got sent to college from that farm. What kind of fruit? Um, tart cherries, sweet cherries, apricots. Apples, peaches, pears, plums. Much of what, grapes. like what's grown here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, I don't know if you're related, but there was a wonderful fruit grower in Payson whose family had a farm in in Provo that was displaced by the expansion of Brigham Young University, and his name was Ray Allred. Yeah, no, we're all related in some way. Or and another. when Ray and my father met, uh, they discovered they'd been in the same room at the same horticulture meetings in Michigan numerous times. Really? And I don't know that I'll ever have a more favorite native Utah than Ray Allred. Really? I could just go walk the orchards with him and feel at home, and we had a, a bond. Mm. And uh, great, great, great man. Now, a Jewish kid coming to Utah is uh, can be a little daunting, but the, but I'd also... Was there a big Jewish community uh, where you grew up in Michigan? No, so. and and so I was well prepared for it, and um, you know I kind of freaked out my mother when I told her after I'd moved here that I'm now a Gentile, and uh, that, that is w- odd, isn't it? That was fun, but <laughs> but you know uh, when I when I explained to some of my Mormon friends that what my I don't call Pioneer Day Pioneer Day, I call it Mormon Passover, and. <laughs> They sure like that That's pretty funny. analogy because yeah. it's the same story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so you were fine uh, coming here, but uh, it seems like you had a kind of a maybe a pretty idyllic life uh, as a kid growing up. You know, I had no idea how idyllic it was. Uh, there was a lot of hard work, you know, and I, I didn't have a whole lot of choice in that. Uh, but, but there's no safer place for me mm-hmm. on the planet than in a fruit orchard your uh, family still have it uh not all of it you know uh it's it scattered around the township there were 70 acres here and 140 there it wasn't all together it okay. wasn't all connected and so um you know um i buried we buried my father last june uh prostate cancer that eventually went to his bones and and uh took his last breath away from mm-hmm. him in june of last year uh, but um my the oldest brother my dad's partner is 90 and st- still going and the, but, uh, but nobody uh, but the farm and uh, what what land remains is is leased to other to younger growers yeah and uh, so you your your dad's partner was his brother or you his, his yeah. brother. It yeah, was yeah, his brother. Yeah. His old, there were three brothers. My grandparents had three brothers. I grew up in a house just across the road from where my father was raised. Mm. Um, and, uh, in fact, it took me years. My, my grandfather passed away in 1989, and it probably took me five years to not instinctually 
go home to Michigan, yeah, embrace my, both of my parents, and then start out the door to see my grandfather. Going, whoa, wait a minute, he's yeah. not there anymore. You clo- close family? How many? You, how many siblings? There were I five. Ha- did you say? Oh, my father? No, you. Oh, I have three. I three have a brother siblings. here and two sisters. So a brother followed you out here eventually? Yeah, he's uh, my little brother. Uh, he's nine and a half years younger than me. He has a really wonderful architectural steel business here in South Salt Lake. And just came to Salt Lake because you were here and th- thought, I'll come and give it a shot? And Pretty much. Finished yeah. school, uh, went and built some houses in Miami at for Habitat for Humanity when he finished. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 93 came out and... And settled here. And your sisters are still. One here. is in in the suburbs of Detroit, and one is in Denver. Yeah. They're both older. Um, so you're the only ones who kind of stayed in the food business, or the definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. None of them wanted to try and work on the farms and the orchards, or we were discouraged from it. It was a really? hard life. Your yeah. parents said, "Do something better with yourself." Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is too hard. Find find a way to do something better. I, I'm not so sure that that was, uh, I, I think what the real message was, was, you know, find your dream and follow it. And to me, that's how it should be. I mean, I know so many people who go into the family business because it's an expectation. Sure. And it may You not, have kids, they go into your business? You know, I, I tell them to, to find what they love and do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, don't chase money, chase passion. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what sort of what I've done, and then the money eventually followed. Amen. It took a while. Yeah, but. yeah. But I see far too many people who worship yeah. money, and they're extremely unhappy. Yeah. Uh, um, so, and I can see it in your eyes, though, and the way you talk, that you could probably just go be a, a fruit farmer uh, uh, again without too much thought. I mean... Do you still do that kind of thing? Oh, sure. I have uh, a good friend who has a little orchard in Holiday that I help prune. In fact, I need to call Tom and say, hey, when are we going to do it? And I talked to Jordan Riley up in uh, Brigham City this morning and uh, to say, hey, you know, I offered you a day of pruning. When are we going to do it? And, uh, and uh, you know, I think... For a uh, day of pruning, you get paid off in fruit? And no, I no? just get paid off in good conversation, fresh air, and blue sky, and I'm yeah. okay with that. I, I, it's my fix. And then I, so I, I, uh, I found out that Steven uh, Rosenberg uh, lives in the same neighborhood. I, I'd, I've known, I've, we've chatted briefly off and on for several years I think, when, when yeah. I come into the store. Yeah, yeah. When I come into Liberty Heights. And then, uh, but I never, too much personal stuff, just, you know, what, to, what to tell me about that cheese or sure, whatever that, sure, sure. that, you know. And then, but then I, I'm looking out my back window a month ago or so, I guess. and A couple of months ago, yeah. Yeah, and there's this there's this tree on my neighbor's property and it's a quince tree and it's kind of uh, just a mess it's kind of overgrown and uh and it ha- and it has these fruit called quince which i don't know what you really do with except maybe make jelly uh it's a fabulous fruit that grows extremely well in this climate and that tree is a magical quince tree i discovered it in early november on a sunday morning walking my dog and I turned the corner in front of this house Mm -hmm. and I just breathed in this perfume this scent this sensual uh, amazingness and I stopped in front of your house Bill not knowing it was your house I was actually drooling over that great uh, tomato vine your wife had out in front Mm -hmm. and I took 
four steps back and I looked to my left and there was this quince tree that was really a bush pruned into the shape of a tree in a way that I've never seen. So rather so that's intentional the way that thing I think oh absolutely it would have to be because they basically poured a patio around it and they wove the 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 the, the shoots of this tree into what would be the trunk of a tree but it's not a it's their smaller branches. Quince usually is on uh, like a big bush. Is that uh, what you're saying? Quince is on a is a tree. Is a tree. Is a tree. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I just think it's great though that he he smelled this before he uh, before he ever saw where it was and knew that's quince. Oh, it just hit me like uh, yeah, in like fact, a cartoon. I'm getting goosebumps just <laughs> thinking about it because the fruit is magical fruit. Um, I have a, a friend in town, a customer, who I would always, uh, uh, the orchard I care for has a quince tree, and I would always sell her quince, and this autumn she said, uh, I want to get, you know, a bushel of quince, which is, you know, for mm-hmm. 45, 50 pounds, and I said, I'm not going to sell them to you this year, and she was like, what do you mean? And, and Claudia is from Argentina and a really wonderful person. And I said, I'm not going to sell them to you. I'm going to ask you to teach me to make membrillo the way you do. Membrillo? Membrillo, which is a quince paste. It's oh. a very traditional uh, food uh, from the Iberian Peninsula because I think the Moors may have brought quince to Spain. And it's become a Spanish tradi- tradition, which, you know. So I've seen quince paste. But I have no idea what to do, what you would do with it. You, the tradition is to eat it with manchego cheese, which oh. is, you know, this really beautiful oh. sheep's milk cheese from La Mancha. No, I did know that. I have had that before, yeah. But it's really a great condiment, uh, you know, on a sandwich with uh, roast lamb or roast pork. Um, just, uh, just, um, or maybe just on the side with uh, it, and you kind of uh, dip it in there. slice it and uh, mm-hmm. put it on the sandwich with the meat and a little mm-hmm. horseradish, and you'll walk on the moon. Mm. I uh, so oh, I gotta ask you about a bunch of stuff too. Now, one because how to use certain things. I've made it my mission over the years to. I remember that ten years ago or more, I was in the grocery store and I was looking at some leeks. Yes. And I said to myself, you know, I've never ever done a thing with a leek. I don't know why. Why you know, I'm not sure I've ever had it in anything or not. And so I'm gonna figure out what to do with leeks. And uh, now, and then it, as it turns out, I just I love leeks just braised in butter and you know little, I think a little chicken broth and then yeah. you bra- braise yeah. it and you just eat them and they're just God they're just delicious so they are delicious so I got to uh, figure out I got to figure out what to do with quince and I have in my refrigerator right now a gigantic jar of pickled chanterelle mushrooms that my sister gave me and I'm not sure where she got them. Because it's not a, it's not a, a bla- you know, somebody made them, or she made them, maybe. I think, oh, she did. She made them. She bought the chanterelles from someone, uh, a mushroom hunter she knows, and then she pickled them and gave them to me for Christmas. And I said, what do I do with those? And she said, oh, you know, just use them in stuff. Yeah, well. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, uh, you'll have to come over and we'll cook. Uh, chanterelle mushrooms are the the, the second greatest taste and texture of fungi that I know from here. And I've the had them sautéed and mm-hmm. butter and stuff, but I've pickled chanterelles. I don't know what to do with those. But I think it's, it's quince. So um, you uh, did, did she teach you how to make the mem... Membrillo. Membrillo? Yes. And, and uh, 
we we basically were at the kitchen at Liberty Heights Fresh for the better part of a day and a half, mm -hmm. and I'm still eating it, and it is just absolutely magical. And I've tried to make my own batch, uh, but I didn't have Claudia's magic touch, so uh, you ruined it. No, I didn't ruin it. This wasn't quite as the way it should have been. What else do you do with quince? See, a quince, I should describe it for people. It's, a, it's hard. It's not a fruit you can just pick up and eat. You know, quince is um, in some ways similar to a hychea persimmon. Uh, they're both, if you eat them raw, they, they, they can be very astringent. They can leave right. a, a really bad, a, a really funny sensation on your palate. Like it feels like your teeth have been stripped clean. And yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, a bad dentist appointment, yeah. perhaps. Um, and... Um, but what I do is I, I take pieces of quince, I, you know, I, I scrub them to get the fuzz off because they're somewhat like a peach with fuzz, but it's a different kind of fuzz. And, um, and I will take the core out of them and peel them and I will stuff a chicken or a turkey with quince. Or, right. or I will roast, uh, I will roast them um, in the pan with those things. And then they're, so they're good roasted with some, some uh, meat juice, some uh, poultry. Yes, yeah. and in those in the juices of the meat, they just you know it. Um, they're a particular thing that needs to be cooked to be uh, well mm -hmm. enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But but you know the, in in Iran the Persians and you know our climate, our altitude, our our arid place is uh, almost identical to Tehran. Mm. And in Iran, they eat more quince per capita than anywhere in the world. It's sort of where the, 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 the place that they come from. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so they're used a lot in Persian cooking. I think they're also used a fair bit in Turkish cooking. Mm -hmm. It's sort of that, you know, uh, that cradle of civilization that this ancient fruit and it is so durable and it is so in this climate, as long as you have water, they're relatively easy to grow. And because they have that outer fuzz, there aren't really any natural pests. Mm -hmm. So they're very easy to grow organically. Um, I want quince now. I want to have, I mean, I, I want quince paste and I want uh, some manchego. I love manchego. Jeez, that's great. You have the tree. Well, it, so I never, it's not in my yard. It's in the neighbor's yard. But they now, fall off in your yard. They fall off in my yard. Well, you own and, them then. Uh, and I can't, and, and technically I do have some ownership of that tree because it grows into my yard. Um well, but, you uh, but, you know, I like that smell, too, but my wife uh, always hated it when they would fall on the ground and they'd start rotting, and uh, and it just made them more fragrant as far as I was concerned. I liked that smell. Yeah, you know, I, I harvested that tree. I uh, had a really great interaction with the family who lives next door to you, mm -hmm. and uh, this year I'm going to have to encourage them to properly water that tree because of all the concrete around it. Yeah, you really need to throw a hose down once a week for an hour or two and just right soak at the it. trunk, just soak it good so that the fruit gets some size. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so this is the kind of thing, by the way, if you go to Liberty Heights Fresh, which we should point out is on 13th, um, 13th South and 11th, 11th East. East. Yes. Right on the corner if you don't know where it is. Uh, you can find this kind of stuff there, and people who can, uh, because you have you have people who work there who can have similar conversations, maybe not quite so detailed. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but but a lot of the people who work there, like I went there uh, uh, right before Christmas and bought a bunch of different cheeses and 
and the cheese guy, cheesemonger, um, he was really good. Just, awesome. Yeah, just knew, kind of helped steer me into certain, I wanted to get some kind of unusual things, and he helped steer me in a couple of directions, gave me samples, and he was, he was just great. So. That's, and, and you know, uh, I believe that the only taste buds that matter are in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So the best way to discover uh, what you like is to taste it. You, you, it takes a. So you've been doing the store since 1993. Yes. And it takes a, a lot of work to do it, to run it, to make sure that it's provisioned the right way, and yes, the, and all the books are done the right way, and so forth. So you probably don't have a lot of extra time. But have you ever thought of, or do you do? Uh, restaurant criticism and or uh, 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 or perhaps a, a, a cookbook writing this is you found a now this is uh, that's not your, the tree next to your house that's no. a tree elsewhere in the valley that's a quince but, tree here but, in the valley but uh, you asked about writing I actually brought a little bit with me uh, and uh, you know uh, well I'm, yeah I'm, uh, what I'm, is it you know, it's uh, I've, I, I've been writing on my own and writing with a teacher, and uh, oh my, um, it's it's. Uh, well, what what kind of stuff are you writing? Poetry, writing you know, short you know, stories. You know, it's it's erotic uh, fan fiction. Well, <laughs> what you know, do you got going it's, on? It's uh, food eroticism. Yeah, for that's sure. what I could tell. I knew that's where it would go. You get, uh, you get goosebumps when you think about the smell of a quince tree. You know, uh, I don't know. I'll, it's pretty short stuff, so I, I can uh, sure I can share some things. Uh, Is this a new passion, or have you always been writing? You know, um, I was really fortunate to study business and horticulture and agricultural economics with a couple of professors that demanded that you learn to write well. Mm-hmm. So you could have great content, but if it wasn't proper sentence structure and proper grammar and correct spelling, then you weren't going to get an A. And you know what? Those guys were awesome. And I'm forever grateful. Uh, But I also had a grandmother who sadly passed away when I was seven who uh, would not tolerate improper use of language. And I still find myself correcting people who say, me and Tony, mm-hmm. uh, um, and um, yeah. and so uh, we should have went, we or should've, we should have went down there. Or don't you want some? Don't you want nothing to drink with that burger? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, nothing is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, here we go. Here it's a your grain is, bowl. No, I'm not having the grain bowl. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to whatever you said. Yeah. Rainbow radishes, I love those. Oh, man. Almond puree, all right. And then we've got our Yeah. I'm going to yeah. need one more of those because I have a son who's on his way to join us. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your son's name? Tobias. Tobias. Mm-hmm. Burger, medium, fries. Yeah. And you, and... Oh, and there's sauce there, I found it. And you, call, and you make sure that you call him Tobias and not Toby. Amen. Is that right? Yes. I, I, I knew. I knew I could, it's a full name family. There's no abbreviations, well, I, William, Ralph William, in this family. <laughs> you wouldn't fit in. I love the there commentary. There you go. 
I love the commentary. And I agree. I mean, I agree with that. I, oh, I have a uh, wow, a son named Gabriel. That's beautiful. And I call him Gabriel. I never call him anything. There are people who call him Gabe, and he doesn't mind that. But Oh, wow. Look at that. Cool. Thank you. Wow. Pretty. Cidra? Cidra? Cider? Cider, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's 10 minutes past cider. Uh, what does your son, what does Tobias do? He is a student. At the U? He's at uh, Slick for now. He'll okay. be at the U soon if he doesn't end up uh, moving closer to where the surfing is good. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, again, follow your passion. Oh, let's right. see. Do you want to read something for us? Sure, I could do Since that. Since you're, yeah. you're leafing through that book. Yeah, yeah, I want to find... Uh, i got to find the right passage, but... Uh, so, I, I, so I was asking you, a recent passion we, we started writing? Or, and you, you know, said you're working with a teacher, which means you, you wanted to get serious about it. I am serious about it. It is a deep passion. Um, and I hope... Well, you know, I actually wrote a piece uh, for the very uh, first edition of Edible Wasatch, which sadly no longer is, exists. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and would have written more uh, had they remained a viable uh, publication. Um, two mm. great people who brought that here sadly couldn't seem to keep it going. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so yeah, I'll I'll read a little bit, but first I need a. You have to have something a bite of food. Well, and, and sustenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, Inc so what is this cider uh, company? Let's see. Mm. Uh, I don't. I'm not much of a cider guy. I don't know really too much about it. The Scout Hopped Marionberry Cider. Mm. Dry cider coming out of Washington. Mm -hmm. Here, wait a second. It's a dry cider out of Washington State. Marionberry is something that used to grow on the mountains out there that was traditionally picked and it's become larger in the culture up in Washington as of late. Um, Marion berries you could used to only get out of Washington. It used to be a specialty there. And it's now being shipped more around the U.S. And Marion Berry was also, wasn't he the uh, uh, mayor of Washington, D.C.? I think at one time. I think he was. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you. This is, this is great. Thanks, Aaron. So at, uh, Aaron at Handle Salt Lake. HSL. HSL. I don't know why. Again, I don't, I don't go so, much in for... Um, Nicknames. All right, Ralph. I'm, lo I'm loving this. My my. How about uh, have some respect for what they want their restaurant called? Okay, it's HSL. Thank you. All right. It's like Treasure Island in Vegas is the TI now. Get with the times. Okay. Well, you know everything's been shortened, and you know, and and sadly, uh, uh, dining has been shortened. Uh, love making, sadly, I think has been shortened. Um, for that. Everything has been edited down to uh, what I consider to be less meaningful or more meaningless. Um, you know, we oh, yeah. we, we sadly li we're, we're sadly racing to our graves without experiencing um, uh, the bone aches where it was broken, begging to be properly seasoned and roasted. A pasture filled with Can't read your mem own memories of seasons past. Sweet wild flowers. 
and tender grasses, a meandering stream from which to drink or cool off on a sweltering summer day, the bone aches where it is broken, sawing away at tallow and flesh in a quest to discover the perfect cut of meat melded together for a gathering to feast upon, rare, medium rare, but never well done, at least not in the common sensibility of how one may intentionally overcook such a splendid piece of meat attached to the bone, aching to share a platter with tubers and roots and flavor-giving herbs, herbaceous like in the pasture, taste of what may be, pardon, taste of what may blow in the wind on a spring day of grazing and grazing and gazing at clouds. A yet unknown fate of a temple grand and funeral where, where after bones may ache where they are broken as I ache for the flavor and texture of a taste in honor of the beast whose sacrifice sets my table to share with those I love as we sit down to dine and enjoy with a little salt and pepper a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil, braised greens with garlic and a bottle of well-made cab. The bone aches where it is broken as bread at this table sometime soon. Nice. You, um, uh, is my microphone gone for some reason? There it is. I turned it off. Oh. Why did you do that? So we could hear him better read his, his oh. work. Well, I wasn't going to talk over him. Um... <laughs> So, hmm? I just can't do anything right. Well, it's family said at the it. table, man. So I also uh, wanted you to shut up and you, you couldn't uh, take a hint. You threw the name Temple Grandin in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did, Tem- has, did Temple Grandin die? Oh, no. Because uh, it... No, no, no. Okay. She's very much alive. Yeah. And, and, you know, she talked... She, she communicates with animals in ways that most humans have no clue about and as a consequence um, she's created far more humane ways to sacrifice their lives for our pleasure yeah and indulgence and um, and I think that we need to honor that far more than we do uh, maybe explain because you could do it better than I to uh, uh, people listening, who Temple Grandin is, because mm. not a not a household name, but I happen to know who it is. Mm. My wife was very fa- fond of some writing she'd done. Temple Grandin is uh, an amazing woman who works in the animal husbandry business to assist ranchers and the people they sell their animals to for processing into the food we're able to enjoy Mm -hmm. in ways that are humane for the animals. And whether they're dairy cows or lambs or pigs or beef cattle, um, when she gets involved, the animals are less stressed. Um, Did they make a movie about? Yeah. um, With... um, yeah, what's her name? Legally Blonde was played Temple Grandin. Uh, really? Yeah. No. Uh, yes. Um, was it Claire Danes or somebody like that? Oh yeah, you're right. It was Claire Danes. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't think it was. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Yeah. 
So um, Homeland. What? Homeland. Okay. Mm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, about um, eating responsibly, um, hmm. um, you know, the, the whole, uh, the, the omnivore eating responsibly, mm-hmm. um, locally sourced stuff. And uh, I mean, the first question that always p- comes to mind when people start talking about this and they don't know much about it, they say, well, that sounds like it's awfully expensive to do. Hmm. I'm glad you bring that up because I believe the American people and public have been fed um, a load of a load of bullshit. <laughs> well, I, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. As as awful as that sounds, um, we spend three times as much on healthcare per capita per household as we do on food that we consume at home and we wonder why we're sick and we've created a mindset in this country where no matter what the cost of food is it's never low enough in the minds of the vast majority of people and there is an incredulousness among some who fail to understand the value of tradition and food made uh, slowly. Mm -hmm. And it's deeply troubling to me um, in in the angry stage of my life. um, Was that what, like last month? No, no, no. That that was probably... Gotten away from that? You know, that goes back half a decade at least um, we, we just uh, it's it, it just blows me away that what people will pay for a prescription medication or even an over-the-counter you know quote-unquote natural supplement yeah but we won't pay for a good bottle of extra virgin olive oil or a really special piece of fruit um, you know, uh, or, or or strawberries that actually taste good. Yeah. And that's a bummer. This is really marvelous, Aaron. Mm. The thing that sets it off on that salad is what's on the bottom is a romesco sauce. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Paprika. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm digging it big time. You so guys should feel free to throw a fork in this. What is that you got? This is uh, the, the Branzino uh, oh, okay. on a salad. Mm which uh, I've eaten the Branzino now. This is the third way I've had it here. Um, and I think this is my favorite, but the other two are pretty fucking amazing too. Wow. Mm. The salad is just great. I'm, I'm going to try that cauliflower. That's, that's just the one on the menu, right? That, uh, yeah. Mm. I, 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 I've eyed that the last mm. time I was here too. Mm. So, so let's talk a little bit more about how people... how you think people should eat? Mm. Um, well, first of all, I think people should consider what they consume on a daily basis as an investment in their own future. Be, be more, a lot more mindful about what you're shoveling in there. Amen, brother, because uh, we are what we eat. And, you know, I use this analogy. I could pull out a gun and blow your brains out and kill you. And you'd be dead. Mm. Or I can feed you junk for 30, 40 years, and you're going to die from 
all of the obvious. And I think that, you know, the philosophical dilemma for me is which one is worse? Because, you know, I, 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 I believe that food is the one legal pleasure we're all able to indulge our, ourselves in, and we shouldn't overindulge. A morsel of something wonderful is so way better than a bushel of gruel that, you know, um, you, you, you know, you, you, people think it's if people think it's expensive and they think it's complicated. It's it's complicated to figure out how to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it should be like sex, something that you don't really have to think much about and natural. Well, I think that's where we all kind of come to the cliff because I think with me too, we're really shining the spotlight that should have been shined long ago on the disconnect of human sensuality and living a more full and rich life in ways that are kind to everyone involved. And uh, Are you a Buddhist? Uh, you know, uh, kind of. Religion and, 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 and me, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, it, it just... Uh, I don't know. Is this Tobias? Must be Tobias. Either that or it's somebody who's going to mug us. Hi, I'm Bill. Nice to meet you. Have a seat. We're just recording a little deal here. You can feel free to chime in if you want, but you'll have to grab your dad's microphone. Yeah. You you probably won't say anything. You you look. I'm just here to eat. You look a little, and you look kind of like, are you, are you sort of a shy person? No. No, okay. I'll talk if you want me to. No, I don't want you to. No. I don't want to hear anything from you. Don't no, stop <laughs> now. Stop. Stop. I don't want to hear another word. Um, so, so how can you uncomplicate it? How can you uncomplicate the way you eat and, and hopefully the way you live as well? Well, I think the challenge, Bill, is that not everyone is passionate about food and you know over the last you know 70 years convenience has only grown in importance and things that are convenient i i I, here's another one of my stevisms stevenisms you know things that are worthwhile are ever are never easy and things that are easy are never worthwhile that's generally probably true yeah and i I know that everybody isn't as passionate about food as I am. Um, it saddens me, but it's reality. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think there's uh, sociologically a lot of challenges with gender identity as, as it relates to domestic chores and division of those things. Mm-hmm. And, as a, and I think those have not helped the cause, so to speak, you know, I mean, I can be having a really stressful day and I can be, you know, really grumpy about things and I can go home and cook and it all goes away. Oh. And, and so for me, I do find, you know, my Zen is in the kitchen. I, but I know that it's not that way for everyone. And I feel fortunate that I found it. Yeah. Um, I think everyone, you know, like I said, the only taste buds that matter are in your mouth. Uh, everybody should find their own passion. If you if you decide if you say I just would really like to eat 
Let's just get practical about it for a second. I want to eat better. Mm-hmm. I want to eat. Uh, I want to eat a little more mindfully. Mm-hmm. Are there just some steps you would recommend people take and to, to do that? Um. Wow. You want to say something? <laughs> you have a, Do you have a word on that, uh, Tobias? Here, let's. Uh, we'll just hand the microphone to Tobias. What? Oh, this is live. You, no, it's not live. Okay. But, but we. Not, were, but we're not going to edit. We're not going to edit it. All of this clunking around and okay. bullshit like that is yeah. fine. Okay. Um. Get I'd, real close to it. Yeah. I'd probably say, pay attention where your meat comes from. Um. Get a lot of vegetables. That's the first thing you should look for if you're going to well, eat meat. Well, I wouldn't say it's the first thing. I think decreasing your red meat consumption in general is... Get close. I, to, wait, wait. I hesitate there to say better for you mm-hmm. because there are people who do consume red meat a lot and run marathons and things. But I think for the average general population, I think poultry is better for you. Now, you're tying into a hamburger here. Yeah. Um, well... Um, are you? But do you pretty much adhere to that? It's it's fairly. This is probably the first red meat I've had in the last two or three weeks. Oh really? Yeah. That. So I try and stick to poultry. I I lift a lot, so I eat a lot of fish, even though I hate fish. Mm-hmm. But I think vegetables are you equally. You hate fish. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. But you eat a lot of it. Yeah, I I mean it's it's good for you. It's the fats in it are very good for you. I think that's a big misconception is people say that you shouldn't eat fat and that's just a flat out lie. Sure. Because flat helps you, fat actually helps you burn calories because your body is dependent on that fat that's in your stomach and then eventually learns to become dependent more on the fat in your body. Uh huh. And I think that we eat too many carbohydrates. I think that's probably goes without saying at all yeah but, but they're so look i look at those beautiful loaves of bread over there and my god well, I you just, don't have to not eat carbohydrates no. like you can you can carbohydrates come from sweet potatoes you can get carbohydrates from a lot of things that are still healthy for you and you can still eat bread and i'm 20 so i have a different metabolism than everyone at this table because i'm younger and my body processes things a little bit better no right kidding now. but I don't. I try not to eat bread every day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, and then um, I think it's also the fewer ingredients in things. I, I, I've I've heard that said, but I think it really is true. If you look at uh, at food, if it's just one ingredient, that's the best thing. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, like obviously there are like additives, but I think that as long as the ingredients are natural in a sense that. They're fine. You know, it, like I said, it depends on the additive. If you're adding xanthan gum and other weird things that are not necessarily meant to be in food, then yeah, for sure you don't I'm a huge be. fan of xanthan gum. I love the way it tastes. It's a thickener. Yeah. So. Um, that's the, my, my band I'm starting, by the way. Xanthan gum. gum. It's our name. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. want it back? Yeah. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Eat. Yeah. yeah, eat your burger. Could I have yeah. a french fry? Yeah, of course. Hmm. So that, that's I knew I I knew that would not be a problem. That's the way people should eat. Do you mind if I have a French fry? Oh, of course, I have a French fry. Go for it. There are some people who are like you know don't. But what would have happened if oh. you would have asked me for one of my French fries? You would have bitten my hand, that's probably. Right. You're like Santo Costanza, God who I grew up with. My French fries. Santo Costanza, you know, if you if you even reached for his plate, he would stab you with his fork. Yeah. I mean, truly stab you. 
because that was his, you know, his plate was sacred. Mm-hmm. Well, those are good French fries. Thank you. Yeah. You didn't make them. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. So, um, I claim responsibility for any compliment anybody gives anybody. Well, hey, you know. That's how I live my life. So, uh, Tobias is not going to... Uh, 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 run the run the Liberty Heights market. No, no, no. He says no, no. Absolutely not. Probably you've worked there um, off and on over the years a little bit. Um, but you, but Stephen Rosenberg can run the Liberty Heights market for another thirty years. Mm. You know, 20, maybe 25, 25, 30, I'll bet. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's give people who haven't been there a little. Uh, a little more of an idea of what the experience of Liberty Heights Fresh is like. Hmm. Um, I've never been in there. Yep. Yeah, see, there you go. Never been. I don't know why. Well, because I live in Ogden. Dylan lives in Ogden. Well, that would explain part of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't like to go to places my dad likes to go to. So you know. <laughs> you know, I I just you know I think I articulate what we do by uh, sharing that you know we believe that. Food should all first and foremost put a smile on your face when you eat it, and it should always be made with ingredients that your great-great-grandparents would easily recognize as good food. And you have to pause and think about that for some, mm-hmm. um, but it's really that simple. And, you know, we, we take everything that enters our store and ends up on our shelves very seriously, and we're, 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 we vet things... Um, you know, I, I had a conversation this morning from somebody who supplies me with uh, truffle oil and truffle honey and that, you know, they they ship their product to us in, in packaging that's made from petroleum. And I said, you know, before we order again, we need to let them know that the little shipping peanuts need to be a biodegradable product, not something that oh, yeah. will go to the landfill yeah. and be in the ground 100 years from now. Something you can just go out, throw on the lawn and put yeah. some water on it and it dissolves. Um, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, something your grandparents, oh. your great grandparents, would recognize. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't recognize blah 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 gum. Canola oil, they wouldn't recognize. Mm-hmm. And or, and and canola oil is you another rapeseed oil. Exactly, and it's a, a Canadian export. Um, but there are some questions about whether it's well digestible. From, oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't, and you know. I don't think we should all be eating exactly the same way because we're not all the same. And this is something that, you know, there's not one size fits all. I mean, some people can eat bread, you know, at three meals a day Mm -hmm. and it sustains them. I mean, you know, uh, I can't. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I'm going to go back to canola oil. So do you. Use exclusively use olive oil, or, or do we, you? We we ask the food makers to, who who need an, uh, uh, to use oil to use uh, a, a, a non-GMO organic sunflower oil or extra virgin olive oil, um, or a grapeseed oil. Uh, grapeseed, grape not rapeseed. Right, um, and um, we we're pretty adamant that there's no canola oil in any of the products we sell and you know we've had people change from uh, uh, sunflower oil to canola oil because of its shelf stability well we don't believe that shelf stability should be that high a priority 
uh, first and foremost, the food should taste good. It should be healthy. Um, and those are right on top of each other in importance to us. Everything that you have in Liberty Heights, I think one gets the impression that you certainly have personally an intimate knowledge of everything that's on the shelves in there. Pretty much. Mostly. I would say. I mean, it just it, it's kind of like, it feels like a, sometimes it feels kind of like an art gallery or something. You walk in there and you say, well, this has been curated by someone. You mm-hmm. can tell that, the, that it's been carefully thought of and, and also arranged in, in ways that are attractive. But, but all the products here have been carefully considered before they've been put on the shelves. I think it was the author Somerset Mom who said, money is the sixth sense that allows one to experience the other five. <laughs> and um, going back to that investment analogy, um, you know, everybody should discover what they like to eat and eat it without apology. Um, so don't worry about the hamburgers all the time. Yeah, what about Doritos? Doritos? Yeah. Well, you know, GMO corn is not something I would advocate we should eat. Do you have so any? The, hang on. <clears throat> the ingredient in Doritos that you object to is the GMO in the corn? Yes. The, everything else. I so don't know. List, number I one. I haven't looked at a Doritos bag in a while, so I don't know I what else they're made with, but it might be soybean oil. I mean, and I soybean oil is made is genetically modified. Okay. The the first off, the cheese stuff is not from Earth. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's um, it's something that came from an alien planet that I, they harvest. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that that's true. Um, no, it was it was a joke. Uh, we don't uh, eat any foods uh, that aren't from Earth. Uh, a little. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, so, uh, okay. What a weird tangent. Um, so I would I would call it youthful exuberance. Mm. Uh, so you got uh, you got your uh, you got all the products you got, but you have fresh foods there. I remember when I first started going to Liberty Heights, uh, you didn't have the the cheeses, I don't believe, and the and the meats, uh, the cured meat and that kind of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been an addition which has been really successful, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind me speaking with my mouth, not full, at all. Um, I was fortunate to be invited to a big food um, a symposium in Paris in the fall of 98. And I met um, a man who spent his whole life making uh, Roquefort cheese in the caves in Roquefort, France. That was his job. That was his life. Wow. Wow. And uh, on that same trip, I ended up at a dinner in an Armagnac cellar in the southwest of France thinking I was eating a filet mignon and I was eating a duck breast. Mm. And it was, it was life-altering. And, uh, and I said to myself then that, you know what, I'm going you know, to change how we f- discover what we sell to add things to the fruits and vegetables we were selling at that time Mm -hmm. and really, really always seek for the most authentic, most respected in its local origin, place of origin. Um, And that 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 would be part of the identity of who we are, not so much for us, but for the community to know that there was a, a trust that if Liberty Heights Fresh sells it, it is the most authentic, most respected 
producer on the planet. Mm. You uh, you used to be the only place, I think really the only place in town that did that, that had uh, that had specialty items, as, as we might call them, mm-hmm. uh, things that you couldn't find anywhere else. Uh, now uh, there's more competition. Uh, you know, you got your you know your Whole Foods doing doing stuff. You got your Sprouts. You got your you know. There's a natural foods market. Uh, people becoming more and more aware of this kind of thing, and then the, so the market has grown. But that's may, probably made it more difficult for you. Mm. Yes and no. Um, I think that you know. Uh, having more opportunities to choose where you purchase good food creates a greater awareness throughout the community of what good food should be. And um, I think that what's different about how we do business versus many of our competitors is that first and foremost for many of them, it's all about the money and not the food. And uh, they've adapted to an evolving food economy to try and attract a more affluent, uh, more educated customer base. Um, Maybe based upon our lead, maybe... I think so. Based upon the lead of of other communities around the country. I think you may be partially responsible also for... you know, I'm going to keep that fork because I'm going to have just a little more of that cauliflower. That That's really good. You should just try a piece of that cauliflower. It's excellent. Um, that you uh, set you set a standard, and um, and I think... Oh, uh, well, here's where I was going to go with that. Salt Lake has become, since I, I've lived here 20-some-odd years now, uh, in, right in Salt Lake. I'm from Ogden originally, and, but I've lived in Salt Lake now longer than I ever lived in Ogden. But uh, I, uh, Salt Lake has become really a, a food place, uh, a place with really good restaurants, and, um, and, I, and it's kind of become known for that uh, in other parts of the country. You say Salt Lake, oh, you know, they have a really good dining scene there, really good food. Well, there's, you know, craft chocolate, craft beer, um, yeah. and... Uh, I think the gauntlet that was thrown down was that, well, you're in Utah, so you can't do it as well as they can do it elsewhere. And I think what's been proven by a lot of the brewers and the chocolate makers and some of the cheese makers is that, yes, we can. I think, and I uh, I agree, and I, I it was that, oh, yeah, well, we'll show you. And I think you had a lot to do with that. You were you were on the vanguard of that kind of thing. And I, I think it's, it's just fascinating to me that, that I don't think... I don't know if you would claim any great vision or anything like that, but it just seemed it was time to do it. And not, you not in the context of what most local people perceive as a great vision. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, but for me, um, I believe pleasure at the table is, is truly the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, they say bread is the staff of life. I don't know who said that, but, you know. I think I, somebody in the Bible could be think mm. yeah i don't read that book often but i know it mm. um i've heard of it yeah 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 uh it's supposed to be pretty good i don't know uh 
I think the 10 suggestions are a fascination. Thank God for Mel Brooks. The 10 suggestions? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, we're, we're, uh, we've been talking quite a while here and kind of going back and forth and around and about. Um, I, I'd like to find out from you um, wh- what you think, because your opinion about food is uh, important, I think. Uh, some of the best dining experiences that people can have in Salt Lake. I know you like this place a lot, HSL. I like this place a lot. Uh, I like a little gem behind the Eccles Theater called Fireside. I think Mike Ritchie's an amazing chef. I uh, he, he just bought that place up in the avenues. Yeah. I was talk. Yeah, I was there with my daughter. We were uh, going to a show and ended up talking to him. And he, he's so I didn't realize he was the owner, but he told me he bought the Third Third Avenue Bistro. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the. Uh, I like uh, uh, Tyler's Restaurant Provisions, the old uh, Lugano location. Uh, I think he makes some really good food. I think the guys at Table X, I think there's three chefs there collaborating. I've only dined there once, but I had a really fabulous and memorable meal. I think Takashi makes uh, Mm -hmm. raw fish that is heaven on earth. Um, uh, You know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, I think... uh, the flavors and textures of food at Maza, um, yeah, which is my second home, um, you know, I, I, I think are truly amazing. Ali Shabab. Ali is just uh, not only a, a wonderful restaurateur, but a wonderful human being. He really is just a, about one of the sweetest guys you ever want to uh, yeah. talk to. He's just like, yep. he exudes this aura of being a sweet and kind human being. Yes. No, he's... he's I, you know, full disclosure, he's one of my best friends, yeah. but I so admire and respect him yeah. as a human and as a business owner and as a restaurateur. Um, now, let's uh, let's finish up a little bit. Any place else you want to mention? Um, you think of? You know, I th- think some of the small plates up at Avenues Proper are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've had some great brunches there. Uh, Do you have a guilty pleasure of, uh, like, uh, we've talked, done, uh, your son is nodding, yes, he does. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about all of this kind of, you know, fine dining and good food and, and things that are maybe a little rare. But, the, I mean, you sit down with a bag of Cheetos or a... I sit down with a bag of Route 11 potato chips. Uh, you, which you sell at, uh, and, and my that, friend, they're very good. My friend Sarah, who started that company in 1992... Um, in Virginia, where Route 11 is the namesake mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Highway, mm-hmm. um, who I just saw at a f- trade fair in San Francisco a week or ten days ago, um, and she uses uh, salt from Utah, from Redmond, oh yeah, sea salt in in all of her chips, yeah. and uh, and those chips are are like I, I actually went to her trade show exhibit where she had a bowl, a stainless steel bowl of a new flavor that she's going to introduce, salt and pepper. And I just took the bowl, I sat down at a chair, and I proceeded to hold the bowl in my lap and eat the chips. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way with potato chips, and those are but But, but those good. potato chips are, yeah. yeah. And, the, yeah, those, are, those oh. are my guilty pleasure. I mean, even shitty potato chips are potato chips, and I'll uh, still eat them. But, no, you see, there's where... No, <laughs> I'm saying bullshit. <laughs> seen you with oh, a bag of lace. I think the I think the worst chips that I would eat are not so bad. They're the uh, kettle chips. Yeah, those are. Okay. And I can eat. They're I can okay. rip open a big bag of those. They're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, anything on the on the um, food horizon we ought to be aware of? Um, like cannibalism, is that coming back? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, no. Jeffrey Dahmer is dead. Damn. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a la- out of maybe nothing you can think of. But you go well, to you've been going to these, like you said, you were just at a, a yeah trade yeah, yeah. show. I, you know, I, I I don't know where you draw. I don't know where the line <laughs> blurs between food and and uh, pleasure, pure pleasure. Mm-hmm. But you know, cocktails. Oh, uh, I think you know there are going to be some better. Uh, accoutrement, if you will, to uh, pour yourself a simple but really wonderful cocktail um, as you're getting ready to, you know, sharpen the knives and start cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I think people are going to, uh, f- for those of us who cook, you know, uh, Harvard Business Review just published something that said only 10% of the population now loves to cook. And ten percent hates cooking. I like it. Uh, I use. I love it sometimes, and sometimes I find it a chore. But I do it a lot. But only up to twenty-five percent of us like cooking. Ten percent love it. Tw- included in that ten, in in the twenty-five percent that like it, are those ten percent that love it, which means a lot of us don't. And uh, you know, convenience has a cost. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, the, the greatest challenge is uh, an expectation that food should be inexpensive because it, it, anyone who's studied economics knows that uh, high quality and low price are mutually exclusive. Right. And you can't have it both ways unless somebody's going out of business. Yeah. But food is cheap. It ta- it's shitty food. You can just almost, well, almost, it, it, not, always. not always. Um, you know, the exception to that would be, you know, uh, think of really, really luscious melons in the month of August. They're pretty inexpensive and they're pretty amazing because they've had all that, all those long days of summer to put all that amazing flavor in the in the melon and lots of natural sugar. Um, but generally speaking, um, if something's going to be really good, it's going to be more valuable. It's going to be more in demand, and therefore it's going to be uh, more scarce and more expensive. That's a, and, on, and we're going to have to wrap up here, but that's, that's another thing we should all remind people. Always try to eat things in season, fruits and vegetables in season. Well, you know, I changed, you know, what I used to say on the radio was, hey, eat, and now I say, always eat well. And I really mean that. I want to encourage people to be uh, mindful of what they consume. And, um, you know, we all can end up in the ditch sometimes. We're all human. But, but you know, if, if, if we're mindful of how we eat, I think it, 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 it increases the odds that we'll live a long and happy life. You know what I've just discovered for, for eating in season? I've never tried them before. I don't know why. I've seen them in the store. And they're just around this time of year. The sumo tangerines those big wrinkly tra- tangerines hmm. i've never tried those before this this year i don't know why well you know we're just on the beginning of the of the Love citrus them. season and and we have a, a navel orange grown on one farm in all of california 
It's a variety called an Atwood Naval Orange, and I encourage you to drop by the shop and get a taste because it'll blow you away. Really? They're unlike any other variety of Naval Orange, and when people eat them, they're like, how come other stores don't sell these? I, you know, I don't run other stores. I can't speak for them, but we sell these oranges. They're two ninety nine a pound. They're certified organically grown by Ken Olson, and they're truly amazing. And uh, we haven't had them for three years because of the drought, because he was right at the end of the irrigation ditch, and he literally had to truck water to keep the trees alive prior to this last winter, not the current winter, but last winter when the Sierras got, you know, seven times their normal snowfall, or I think it was more like three times. But um, but he's back in business, and we just got those oranges last week, and everybody who's eaten them is I'll be by. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Stephen Rosenberg, proprietor, Liberty Heights Fresh, 13th South, 1100 East, right on the corner. Uh, if you, I don't know, if you haven't, if you don't know where it is, I can't, I can't imagine that you don't. But if you don't, stop by there sometime. Just everybody in there is helpful. They're nice. Um, it's small, and yet there's so much in there. It's just jammed to the and oh we and fresh soups and sandwiches we should mention that as and well. And we have a baker who uh, makes some really great pastries and brownies and some gluten free options. And where are you getting your bread these days? We uh, work with uh, a Charlie at Eva's and also uh, David over at uh, uh, Vosens. I miss I miss the Crumb Brothers bread uh, quite a bit from. I know there was a sad story about, about yeah. that up in Logan. And yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still up there doing it, but uh, they're not kind of pulled in, the, back, in yeah. the wholesale business. Yeah, that's too bad. I love that bread. It's, it, it's great bread. Tobias, nice to meet you. Yeah, it was nice to meet you, too. Uh, and Tobias Rosenberg, Stephen Rosenberg, and thanks to the people here at HSL. This was a great meal. Oh, yeah. Um, try the cauliflower when you come here. Uh, they're on 2nd South between 3rd and 4th. 4th and 5th. 4th and 5th. And uh, try the cauliflower. It's great. Try anything. Uh, I've been here for dinner, too, and it's been once, and it's quite good. Uh, uh, HSL, thanks so much. Uh, Dylan, thanks for producing the show. Welcome. Uh, that's it for the Let's Go Eat show, because we've just run out of time. We actually have gone way over, haven't we? Yeah. But that's okay. We'll just run it. But I mean, we can sit here for a long time, but, but we'll end it here, just Ar- arbitrarily. Uh, I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.